Welcome to the Life of Christ Series 2, Term 3. This is Lesson 24. We're going to pick up where we left off. Uh, we're up to John chapter 1 and verse 42. And we've just seen the way that Andrew found his brother, Simon Peter, as we know him, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he, that is Andrew, brought him, Simon Peter, to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So here we see Jesus operating in his prophetic office now. Not only with regard to Simon Peter's identity, being Simon, the son of Jonah, but also to his future, as he calls those things that be not as though they were. In naming him Cephas, the Aramaic expression meaning rock, or more familiar, Peter, its Greek equivalent. So that's the reason why sometimes you see Cephas and sometimes you see Peter. One is Aramaic and one's Greek. That brings day three to a conclusion. All right, and so it goes on to say in verses 43 and 44. And the following day, so notice again, there's a sequence of days here. Okay, the next day, the next day, we're up to the following day. So the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. Now that is from Bethany in Judea. So notice Judea is down here. Galilee is up there. Okay? Now in Galilee, there, there is Capernaum and there is Nazareth and all of those um, places. Okay? In Judea, that's where the temple is. That's where Jerusalem is. Okay? Bethlehem. Remember Bethlehem? And this is the reason why the, the priests always thought that he came from Nazareth. That's where he was born. And you know, they, that's where, you know, one of his own disciples said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? You know? Okay, because they're thinking Galilee, because Galileans weren't sort of highbrow, you know, they were sort of a bit lowbrow and everything else, apparently. There was, a, there was an issue there. But isn't it interesting that Jesus came all the way down to Bethlehem to be born? Okay, right next to Jerusalem where the temple was. So he did everything right. You can see the journey that they had to make as well, you know, all the way from Nazareth down to Bethlehem to register at that point in time. And why it was a, such a difficult journey. You know, they didn't just get in their camper van and drive. Okay, you travel by mule. You know, sometimes walking is better. <laughs> okay, all right. Would you like to be, you know, just about to have a baby and you're on a mule? You know what I'm trying to say? Okay. Like John Wayne, you know, you walk like square and funny, you know. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> so, this is interesting. I want you to see the sequence here. We see, first of all, that John the Baptist says, here is the Messiah, okay? Here is the Lamb of God. Two disciples of John, Andrew and, and John, the other John, which is difficult, isn't it? Okay? Uh, leave him, follow after Jesus, okay? They have a conversation with him. They spend the night with him, so to speak. And then, straight away, Andrew goes and gets his brother Peter and says, we found him. Okay, and so they come along, and, and he comes along, and as soon as Jesus sees Peter, straight away, he identifies him, and, you know, it's like in one of those movies, you know, where the girl meets a guy, and he says, what's your name, and he says, uh, uh, my name is Tim, no, you don't look like a Tim, you're John, I'll call you John from now on, you know, <laughs> you know, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah, yeah, you know, okay, <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things happening here, you know, you've got to see this, man, I mean, this is just, like, you know, we miss all of this stuff, you know, but it's Jesus, but they didn't know, I mean, I, I'm sure 
Simon's going, yeah, but I'm used to Simon. You start calling me Peter, I won't be, I won't be jumping up going, yes, because that's not my name. No, you, know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right? Okay, anyway, back to this. So he says again, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. He say, and he identifies who Sonny is as well. Isn't that interesting? All right, and he says, you shall be called Cephas, which is again translated a stone. Now, we're going to have enormous difficulty with this later on because people are going to think that this is the rock that Jesus is going to build his church on and everything else. Okay, so when we get to it, we'll discuss that as well. It's not, you know, can I just deal with it like very quickly now? Jesus was doing a play on words. When you actually read it properly, what is the church built on? It's not built on Peter. It's what came out of his mouth. Peter said, you are the Son of God. In fact, we saw that in, in Matthew 16, 16, the verse just above it. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the confession. Amen. That's what makes you a Christian. So what, what Jesus actually says there, when we look at this again, I'll, I'll deal with it once, once again at that point in time. But what he actually does is makes a little play on words. He says, not only has he now named him Peter, a stone, but he's saying, Peter, out of this little rock came a massive rock. Okay, so out of the mouth of this little rock came the rock of confession. That if you confess, remember um, Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, okay? And believe that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved, okay? For with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, I mean, even Paul said, that's what gets you in. So he was playing around with it. He was sort of saying, out of this rock came a big rock. Okay, out of this little rock came a rock, which is the confession of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what the church is going to be built on. And he said, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against that. You make a decision, and hell can't stop you from confessing that, and from receiving Jesus as Lord. They can't do it. Because if think about this, if they could, they'd kill every single person just before they made Jesus Lord. Because they're already heading for hell. They're about to change destinations. That would be the time to take them out. Amen? Anyway. More on that when we get to it. So here again we see Andrew bringing Simon Peter to Jesus. Jesus prophesying over him basically. And now in verse 43, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee from Bethany in Judea. I've put that in so you know where it all is. Okay, so when you see Bethany, so you know it's in Judea. And again, these are main regions. Judea is a main region. Galilee is a main region. You all with me? Okay. What they'll do sometimes is just, they'll talk about the regions rather than the individual towns that he's going from and to. It's like us sort of, in a sense, saying, oh, we're going from Sydney to Melbourne. You know, saying, okay, we won't tell you we left Quakers Hill and we got to, you know, whatever place in Melbourne is, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you know, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so that's kind of what they're doing here. So following day again, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip. Now, Leon Morris says that this is the only disciple said in this gospel to have been called by Jesus. Now, notice this gospel, okay, because Matthew is also going to be called. Sometimes I read stuff and I'm studying stuff and I get teary. I just tell you, you know, because I look at stuff and I think, this is real, man. You know, when you look at people like Matthew... A tax collector, somebody that's been shunned and, you know, probably spat at and all sorts of things. And Jesus, the Messiah, you know, comes and says, follow me. Like, wow. You can see why he threw him a party. And we're going to look at that too. All right, so getting back to this, I'm going to love him. The more we study him, 
the more you're just going to fall in love with him. And you're going to realize, my goodness, this man was extraordinary. In the way he thought, the way he behaved, he was the furthest thing from religion. And in fact, he just constantly upset religious people. Just constantly. They were just always out of whack. They were always, this, is, this can't be right. He's having too much fun. This is wrong, you know. Constantly. I love that. And yet he didn't break one of God's laws. Isn't that awesome? So again, he says, it says again here, The following day, Jesus went to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. All right, this command was obeyed, and Philip became a disciple of the Lord. Now, Philip was from the city of Bethsaida in Galilee. So, Bethsaida is a city, it's in Galilee. Okay, that's why I gave you all those little bit of extra bits and pieces. In the text, it just says Philip was from Bethsaida, all right, the city of Andrew. And Simon. So this is where Andrew and Simon lived as well. Okay, for for a while anyway. Leon Morris writes here: Jesus takes the initiative. He determines to leave for Galilee and sought out Philip. Now that's important. Okay, he decides to go to Galilee and he seeks out Philip. And I think that's really interesting. Now, no reason is given for this. John brings him before us on a number of occasions. Each time he seems somewhat out of his element. And it is probable that he was of limited ability. If so, it is encouraging to reflect that Jesus went out of his way to find this rather limited man and to enlist him in the apostolic band. Jesus had and has use for such followers. Let's stop there for a minute. You know, Jesus didn't go looking for all the rock stars. Okay? The point being made here now is that Jesus is interested in everyone. Amen? And you might say, well, I don't have a lot of abilities. Well, he picked Philip, he'll pick you. There it is. You know, we're always saying, oh, I'm a big mouth, and you know, if he picked Peter, he'll pick me. But not everybody's a big mouth. Okay, there are some Philips in the group. Okay, a bit limited here, limited there. <laughs> okay? Not a lot going for them, you know? And Jesus went out of his way and said, you. Wow. I think that's just as awesome as him going and picking Matthew. And as for the city of Bethsaida, the reason for its mention is because, as William MacDonald explains, Bethsaida was a city on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Few cities in the world have ever been so honored. The Lord performed some of his mighty miracles there. That's in Luke 10.13. It was the home of Philip, Andrew, and Peter. Yet, it rejected the Savior. And as a result, it was destroyed so completely that now we cannot tell the exact spot where it was located. Isn't that sad? Whenever the gospel has been rejected, it's very sad. God's protection just lifts. Because if people don't want... Remember again, you know, we, we can't keep coming back to this fact. How powerful your will is. Of all the things in the universe, the one thing that is more powerful than basically everything else is your will. It is the thing that allows you to go to heaven. It is the thing that allows you to go to hell. God is not going to say, you're definitely going to heaven. No, you're definitely going to hell. Never. And those people that talk about predestination get it wrong all the time. Predestination is about the future God has planned for you. He has predestined you for something fantastic. But you've got to make a decision to walk with Him. Amen? If you don't pick it, then the only thing you're going to see is what you should have done and what He had planned for you. On your way down, probably. I don't know. Okay? It may have never happen, but I'm just saying that. That's my sanctified imagination. Anyway. (laughs) 
not so sanctified. Anyway, <laughs> continuing on to verse 45, the process of one disciple finding another is repeated, or as Gaudet puts it, one, I like this, one lighted torch serves to light another. I like that, I want to put it in. And so it says, Philip now found Nathaniel, okay, who was from the city of Cana, and are also known as Bartholomew, or more correctly, this is his actual name, Bartomli, or whatever you want to say. Someone's a big Asian-sounding dude. Okay, see, there was an Asian dude in Jesus' name. <laughs> Bartomli, okay, you know, whatever. Okay. Bless you. In the Synoptic Gospels, oh, this, this session is getting messed up on so many levels. Uh, I don't know what to edit out of this. <laughs> I'll be editing for a week. All right. So, so anyway, um, it, that's what he's called in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is more a title as opposed to a name, meaning son of Tom Lai. All right. Okay. Just as Bar Jonah means son of Jonah. Remember that? Okay. And said to him, We, that is Philip, John, Andrew, Simon, Peter, and perhaps James, have found him of whom Moses in the law, and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Interesting, isn't it? Didn't say Jesus of Bethlehem. Okay? He said Jesus of Nazareth. Alright, the son of Joseph. Okay, now that part wasn't exactly right, but never mind. Because remember, Joseph was not his father. God was his father. Amen? Alright. So there are several things of importance here. First, Leon Morris writes... When Philip speaks of Jesus as the son of Joseph, we, okay, okay. we should not take the words as a denial of the virgin birth. Joseph was the legal father of Jesus, and the Lord would accordingly be known as Joseph's son. All right, there's a, a scripture reference down in, at the bottom of your page. That's in John 6.42, and they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know, dot, 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 okay? In any case, it is unlikely that the virgin birth would have been communicated already to such a new disciple as Philip. This is a good example of the irony of St. John. Again, and again, he allows his characters to state, without refutation, ideas that Christian people would know to be false. Okay, so he just allows things to be said, and he'll just, you know, everybody knows it's not right, but that's what the guy said. Are you all with me? Did you get all that? Okay, moving on. Next, William Hendrickson says that it is important to uh, preserve the word order of the original. When this is done, it becomes apparent that in his great enthusiasm, Philip begins the sentence with a reference to the Messiah, and that the very last word which Nathaniel hears is Nazareth. These two concepts... Messiah and Nazareth seem to Nathaniel to be utterly self-contradictory. In fact, in the literal text, he says, The one whom Moses wrote in the law, and about whom the prophets wrote, we have found. Okay? So up to this point, Philip is expressing a great truth, for the entire Old Testament can never be understood unless Christ is seen in them. Because Jesus is the fulfillment of Old Testament scripture. And had Philip stopped there, it would have been perfect. However, he then goes on to add, and this is how he actually says it, Jesus, son of Joseph, the one from Nazareth. Did you get that? Okay. So, <laughs> what, he's, what he's basically saying is, uh, this is Jesus uh, from Nazareth. Okay, so <laughs> they're trying to reconcile Jesus, Messiah, from Nazareth? He should have been from like Jerusalem or something. 
You know, because that's where the temple is and all the holy people need to come from there. Because that's what the Pharisees are going to constantly challenge them with. You know, who are you? And they're going to call him some really bad names. At which point then he's going to start letting them have it. But, <laughs> you know, you, you wonder where some of these disciples were when all this was happening. You know, where they were kind of ducking for cover somewhere. Because remember these are, you know, when Jesus goes head to head with Pharisees and Sadducees and um, scribes and all this, these are the people that these people had grown up, you know, like his disciples have had grown up to reverence, okay, greatly. And then suddenly Jesus is going head to head with them. And this is why the Gospels bring some of these out. You know, he's going to, constantly going to show the friction that's going to exist between Jesus and these religious leaders. Because Jesus, the Word, okay, the thing that they started to drift away from and started to put their own oral laws above, suddenly walks up on two feet. You all with me? You know, so they took the law of Moses and started twisting it. And we will see this. I will give you insights and examples and all kinds of things that will show you where they thought he broke the law. Okay? And you'll actually see that I'll give you where they come from. So that you have a very definite idea and understanding. Because, you know, I even hear preachers preaching and saying, No, Jesus broke the law, but he was able to. He was all right for him to break the law. And that's not a right statement. You know, they don't study enough to work out what law did he break? And where did the law come from? And is it a law of God or is it an oral law of the elders? Sorry, I get a bit ahead of myself, but there is just so much in this. You know, to me, it's just so alive and it's just all there. And I, I really want to bring all this understanding to you. So, had Philip said, born in Bethlehem, the city of David, we would have had an entirely different response. To the one that is recorded in verse 46. And that is, and here it comes. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Okay, so, so the word order was important. Okay, so Philip says, you know, this is Jesus, son of Joseph, the one from Nazareth. This is why Nathanael hears that. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Today, it would have happened. All right. So, <laughs> this is what the literal text says. Out of Nazareth can any good come? The implication being it is impossible indeed that the Messiah can come out of the city of Nazareth. Have Moses and the prophets predicted that any good thing in the messianic category would come forth from that town? And Philip was like, mm, just come and see. <laughs> what else do you say to that? <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. William MacDonald writes, Nathaniel had problems. Okay? Nazareth was a despised city of Galilee. It seemed impossible to him that the Messiah would live in such a poor neighborhood. And so he voiced the question that was in his mind. Philip did not argue. He felt that the best way to meet objections, listen to this now, was to introduce men directly to the Lord Jesus. A valuable lesson for all who are seeking to win others to Christ. Don't argue. Don't engage in prolonged discussions. Just bid men to come and see. Like that, huh? Okay? Sometimes that we just need to say, just, you know what? Just come and see. Amen. Alright, so it goes on to say, verses 47 through 49. Jesus saw Nathaniel come. You know Jesus heard all of this, don't you? You know Jesus knew exactly what was going on. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him. 
and said to him, I love Jesus, Behold, an Israelite indeed in him in whom is no deceit. See, he could have kind of been thinking that and said something else. Did you get that? Notice he said in whom there is no deceit. He didn't say it wasn't dumb. Okay, he just said he's not deceitful. If he's got something on his brain, he'll, his mouth will just say it. You'll know exactly where he stands with everything. Are you all with me? Okay. In other words, he was, a tra- he was a transparent, honest man. Also, this is the first of two references made to Jacob, who was uh, known as a deceiver, okay, before his change of heart. Therefore, Temple's translation reads, an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. Okay? Because remember, Jacob was very deceptive. All right? You all remember Jacob? Yeah? Esau? Okay, all right. Anyway. So it's good to actually see what was actually behind some of the statements that Jesus is making here. All right? So Israel was called Jacob before his change. Further to this, Jesus also shows Nathaniel that he can see supernaturally into the hearts of people. And Nathaniel said to him, how do you know me? Okay? Nathaniel is probably wondering if Philip had said something to Jesus about him. But Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, all by yourself, I saw you. Yeah. Okay, there's nobody to tell me. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of it. Freak him out, okay? Right. So here the, the Apostle John continues to reveal Jesus' supernatural abilities. This time to be able to see Nathaniel when no other eyes could have seen him. Something that will be further amplified in this gospel. And so Nathaniel answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. See, I told you, this guy will tell you exactly what he's thinking. Okay? He goes from, can any good thing come from Nazareth? And anything? To, oh, wow! This is, watch, look, this is very interesting. He says, you are the Son of God. Now, Peter says, you are the Son of God. He is saying this now because he's so impressed. He doesn't have a revelation of Jesus as being the Son of God. Now, there is a difference here. But well, let me just talk to you about this for just a moment, because we're not meant to finish in about a minute. And we'll come back and pick up here, maybe, for next time. There are some people that will say things. Okay? And we, we need to understand. There are different levels, depths of understanding. And depending on where you are, there are some people that will, you know, constantly sort of say things and say, oh, yeah, I believe this and I believe that and everything else. When the chips are down, they kind of don't really. Okay? All right? Uh, not that they didn't mean what they said. And we need to get this as well. Okay, they were sincere at the time. Do you hear what I'm trying to say? Okay, so they weren't lying to you. It's just that, you know, when you say okay, you mean okay, regardless of what happens, if I'm sick, if I'm dying, I'll still be there. That's your okay. Somebody else says, oh, of course I'll be there. Uh, in their, but to them is unless something else doesn't come along. And I have nothing else to do that day, and I'm bored. Yeah, I'll turn up and help you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? There's, you know, so you need to understand that people say different things because, from this statement, you could look at it and go, "Hang on a second, this is the first guy that actually said that. It wasn't Peter; it was him." Okay, but his understanding is going to be very different. So that makes five disciples now. Okay, so Philip, John, Andrew, 
Simon Peter, now Nathaniel. Maybe six if we count James. Remember I told you about that before. Okay? There's an indication there that John actually went and called him and spoke to him as well. William Hendrickson writes, The context forbids us to tone down the meaning of this confession. To Nathaniel, at the moment when he uttered his exclamation, Jesus was nothing less than God's own son. How then would he not be king of Israel, the long-expected Messiah? So he understood both of those things. Remember, it was from the throne of David. Out of David's line was going to come. So this is why they kept thinking that he was going to be a warrior Messiah. Because, you know, David kept the peace by conquering everybody. You know, when you're the conqueror, everybody goes, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. You know, it's just like, there's peace because if you make a noise, we'll come and kill you, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> so there's a kind of forced peace there. You know, because you got the biggest stick, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And so that's why they wanted Jesus to come and just kind of literally do the same thing to Rome. To literally take over, just to wipe out their oppressor and put the flag up and say, you know what, you do as we say from now on. Are you all here? That's why they were so upset when he didn't do that. And why maybe Judas did what he did. You know, some people want things the way they want things. Not the way God wants things. Are you here? Let's leave it there because there's a big thought happening here. uh, And I think I want to come back to this and actually deal with this. Spend about 10 minutes on this, if that's okay with you guys. So, let's stop. Um, Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. And we'll pray and conclude this session.